Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you again, and thank you to the team. Thank you, everyone, who just puts in so much each week so that, in a sense, we can gather together. Welcome from me. Uh, thank you so much also to Lindsay from last week, his message, um, calling us back to the foundation of the great commitment. And we're looking at different aspects of our foundation because uh, we've learned from Jesus that we need a foundation that can endure. Now today my part is deliberately shorter because uh, we want to all join in into a single congregation-wide Zoom meeting for some testimonies and prayer. Uh, a number of folk have said one of the things they miss from Explore is the ability to just hear the stories of what God can do. And our testimonies, as always, are sometimes after the storm testimonies. It's when, when, when the storm has passed, when the victory has been won, and sometimes they are in the middle of the storm testimonies. Uh, they are in the middle of the fight and the battle, and we rightly celebrate victories. They give us hope, but we also hear from, stand with, pray for each other in the middle of the battle. So look out for the Zoom link. It's going to be great to get together and, uh, and, and just kind of connect and hear from one another. So back to our theme of foundations. We've seen in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is not promising you a life without storms. He's promising you a faith that can withstand storms. And he's promising to be a foundation in his words and in our conduct when we follow his words, to be a foundation that we can trust. We finished that with Matthew chapter 11 from the message, a quote where uh, Jesus says so beautifully, are you tired are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now when we begin to walk with Jesus in this way, when we take on, as it were, his unforced rhythms of grace, his yoke is what other translations say, one of the things that we immediately notice about how Jesus walked is it's both explicit in, in, in the actual text, keep company with me, come connect yourself to me, be part of me, but it's, it's explicit, we join Jesus and we join the kind of community he creates. And it's implicit in the story of the Bible that we, we see that this life in which we walk the pattern of Jesus is a life in which foundation is formed. Community is, as it were, one of the unforced rhythms of grace. The Passion Translation says it like this, simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please, 
you'll find refreshment and rest in me. Many of us know this from its more literal translation, where Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Now, the metaphor of a yoke is that it joins two animals to work as one. Now, it's not the toil and the work and the labor of the yoke. Jesus is very explicit. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. This is, this is not the toil and the labor. What's the metaphor of the yoke? It's of being connected together. What the yoke did is it enabled a team of oxen to work as one. And also an interesting historical uh, analogy is that the yoke of a rabbi uh, was used to describe the teaching and the lifestyle that resulted from his teaching. So when we take the teaching and the lifestyle of Jesus onto our shoulders and into our lives, we begin to move together as one. It's not the work so much, it's the fact that we are intimately connected to Jesus. And when we're intimately connected to Jesus, these are, these are, this is an invitation given to a collective of people. So it's not just a person. Obviously, it's meaningfully personal. Must be. But we get to do this together. And so being part of community, being together with Jesus, walking at his pace, joining in his yoke, brings us in relationship not just to Jesus, but in connection and community with one another. And that is literally part of the meaningful foundations Jesus wants to lay in our lives. A foundation in which we seek a form of spirituality that does not have connection and community to one another is going to struggle to find rhythms of life and rest. Now I'm preaching this deliberately in our context and time in which we might protest, but we're not even allowed to meaningfully connect. We're not allowed to do community. It's unwise. It's unsafe. It's, it's illegal. Well, yes and no. <laughs> we need to recognize the issues that are playing out before us and how we can respond. And if we just look at the things we're not allowed to do, we may be missing some of the things that we really, really can do at a time like this. And so I'm going to finish with that, but let me go here quickly. When, when, when I was little, back in the age of dinosaurs, we used to play a game called Stuck in the Mud. It was like touches or tag. Except that when you got touched, you had to stand still with your legs apart, until someone who was still free came and dived under your legs and then you were free to run around, evade the tag again and dive under the legs of others. And there may have been several versions. That was the kind of version I remember. Um, but they pretty much had this in common. Until someone reached you, you weren't going anywhere. You were pretty much stuck in the mud. And one of the thing that's, uh, things that has begun to happen to us as lockdown and as uh, this pandemic has played out is that we're finding ourselves relationally, socially stuck in the mud. And, and that may be true whether you're 
and um, someone who's had to go through this literally alone. You've had to stay alone. But it's also true for those who in micro families. And we're going to have to relearn the grace and the gift and the art of community, of connecting. Because we're in danger of getting stuck in the mud. Except we're not even aware that we need someone, hopefully not to dive under our legs, but literally to reach out in ways that we can and begin to build again the kind of community that sustains us and, and feeds us. I suspect many of us relationally can identify in some ways. You know, we got through these those first few weeks, possibly even months of lockdown, of isolation. But the reality is we're five months and counting. And I sense, even just as your pastor, there's some things happening inside us, some things happening inside me that, that we can't fully explain, that we certainly don't like. And even if we are doing our spiritual disciplines, and let's be honest, some of us are finding that for some reason incredibly hard on top of all of this. But even if we are doing those things and we're making time for, for prayer and God's word and um, keeping a short account with God and trying to keep a short account with people in our lives, and we're learning other personal tools and a whole bunch of online skills and we're rediscovering how to do our particular line of work and calling. In the midst of this ongoing separation, we're still starting to hurt. And for some of us, that hurt's been going on and it's almost like a physical pain. Now, I'm not going to go into the psychology of this. I want to point to three scriptures that hopefully will encourage you explain a bit of this to you and then let's get really practical about some of the things that we can do during this time um, but let's be honest feeling stuck feeling hurt finding this difficult right now is very very understandable and and that comes from scripture itself the first thing in scripture we learn is from creation about connection and community we learn from creation and because i'm keeping today short it's going to be super simple but genesis 2 verse 18 the lord god uh, as we see a slightly different take on how the creation of mankind so it looks like in chapter one it was simultaneous it gets unpacked with a few more detail and nuances in chapter two and adam is alone and, and it says this, the Lord God said, it's not good for this guy to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. So what was true of Adam is true for us. He was getting stuck in the mud. And God himself, now notice this, who was in communion with Adam, who was engaged with Adam in the story, still sees the legitimate need for human connection and community. He has a key point. Spirituality, no matter how powerful, is not going to satisfy or bypass your God-given need, my God-given need for healthy community. God sees 
that it's not good for us to be alone. And that is when God is with us. And so part of the Jesus life is the forming of community. And that is not just something Jesus introduced. It's something that was wired into us since creation. And that wasn't a sign of the fall. It's not as if sin is the thing that makes me need other people. God saw this before Adam and Eve had fallen in any way. And being in a pandemic doesn't suddenly change the way we've been made or what we need. Now, to be sure, solitude from time to time is a good thing. Solitude is the grace of being alone without being discouraged or consumed by what we find in ourselves. Solitude is to be able to be at peace with what we find in ourselves because of the grace of God. But solitude is never meant to last. Even the solitude of Jesus, prayer and fasting, was less than a month and a half, 40 days. Solitude is something very different to isolation and loneliness, which is another story. Psychology Today published an article in April 2015. One of their lines from this is loneliness. One of their conclusions is that loneliness may reduce life expectancy more than obesity or smoking. Loneliness may affect or reduce our life expectancy by even as much as 15 years. They're starting to discover and see what we've pretty much known all along. It's not good to be alone. And so even as we recognize the need to legitimately social, socially distance, as we recognize how we need to reposition our lives in, out of consideration, especially for others, but yes, being cautious with the gift of life that God has given us and not taking our health for granted, we need to recognize it's not good to isolate. It's not good to shut myself off from others. It's not good to be alone. And that's even when there's no break, no breach in your relationship with God. It's just the way it is. And so we learn from creation that we made for connection and community. We learn it also from the kingdom of Jesus. And again, I'm going to keep this super simple. Luke 12 verse 32. Jesus says to his disciples, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. There's the gift of the kingdom and, it, and it's being offered to us. Now, English is a lot poorer when we read the scripture. When, when the scripture was written, you could tell whether a particular statement was in the singular or the plural. Now, this is a comment. I mean, your father is not speaking just about your father. It's speaking about our father. It's a plural statement. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you all have a father. You're one family. You're one body, as it were. And he's been pleased to give you, as a plural, the kingdom. We receive our kingdom inheritance together. Now, to be sure, each of us must come to a real and honest personal faith. 
But according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, the glorious riches of this inheritance are found in God's holy people. And so it's when we are with one another that we get to unpack the kingdom. One of the images that stays with me from one of the worship times during Explore was as we were worshiping, I, I saw this huge treasure chest that was opened on the carpet at the front of the Explore. Just in, as we were worshiping, it was as though there was like angelic beams and they came and they just put down this massive treasure chest and opened it and it was the gifts of God and it was the inheritance of God and it was the grace of God and it was the power of God. And it was ours as we were worshiping together, as we were interceding together, as we were stepping into ministry and mission together. And the kingdom promises of Scripture are written in the plural form. And so some of those things are just not going to be released and increased. Now, what about people who have no option? whether through health or, or whether through persecution. People have been thrown into isolation. I believe there's grace for them. But we need to be careful of stepping into a place that can be lonely and isolated and insulated from others when we're meant to discover this stuff together. Why am I preaching this now? Because it's precisely now that we need to remind ourselves of what one of our key foundations actually is that we do this together we are meant to do this and that takes us to point number three which we learn so we learn from creation we learn from the kingdom of jesus and we learn from the church in which we are body and and we're a family and there are many many uh passages we could look at in this in this uh point but acts 2 verse 42 for example describes the early church in its first response, and it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, it's interesting that the, the apostles' teaching, the proclamation of the gospel was there. So there's this breakthrough message of the good news of God. And the next thing was that they were sharing life, the koinonia, the connecting in community, the people who were entering life one with another and to building meaningful connection and relationship and community with one another and to the breaking of bread which was a communal description of, of just doing meals together some people think it refers to communion it probably included that but it certainly wasn't only that and of course they were praying together and then they began you read further you know, there was the signs and wonders. There was the evangelistic impact. There was the social justice. And none of this stuff was being done alone. And fellowship and community is a key ingredient of the kind of life that Jesus produces. And so the rest of the chapter in the book of Acts pulses with this new church. Multiplying communities of mission and faith. So when this community and connection, one with another, even when we're connected to God, it will impact us. And probably one of the things to say is, 
extra maintenance will be required. Extra careful attention is required during times when community is difficult and hard. So I had to replace my car tires this week somewhat sooner than expected. And the reason was that back in December, you know, remember the BC days before Corona days, we traveled to a family wedding in northern Zambia. We went there and back in about three weeks and we covered rough terrain and carried an extra load thanks to a grand roof rack and tarpaulin from Dave Coves and Bevan Jacobs. Um, and, and when you travel extra mileage and when you cover rough terrain and when you're pulling or carrying a heavy load, maintenance and repair are going to be needed a lot sooner than you think. Now, we chose to go to Zambia, but right now, many of us are on a road we have not chosen. And we're going a distance that we had not anticipated. We're on rough terrain, and we're carrying an extra load, and we, we're doing this alone. And the road is long. Probably a lot longer than we imagined in March. And maintenance is definitely required sooner than we think. Now, one of the things is that the maintenance itself is connection and community with one another. So I want to get super practical before we meet for testimonies on Zoom. I want to remind you of some of the things that we can do and therefore some of the things we must do. We are permitted to use our buildings for ministry and worship in small groups, for community, fellowship and connection, and where it's wise and appropriate, and there are guidelines being put out. But I want to say to us, let's give priority uh, to thinking of ways in which this can meaningfully and safely happen. Let's give priority also to those whom we see need this most. You know, during this time, it's become evident that uh, our children and youth ministry have been hammered. Our kids are taking strain and our ministries to them. I mean, what kid wants to sit in front of a computer and listen to a talking head like me or whatever? It's, it's just such a challenge and, and we get that. So how do we take what we allowed to do and work with it? And, and what suggestions and, 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 and what ideas can we offer to Robert and Josh and give them all the help that we can? And what ways can, can they maybe help you in your role in parenting, etc.? And so <clears throat> let's recognize that we have a resource in those buildings in which we are allowed to meet with all the protocols in place and the numbers um, and the limits, etc. But we can use that. And when we see what we're missing out on, I think there comes a point when we've got to say, let's, let's look at this, let's take hold of this. And then obviously we need to keep maximizing our ministry online. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, for some of us that may mean regulating the amount of entertainment or other things that we're doing online. And I know for some of us it's just work and that is as demanding as it can be. Um, and then for other of us, we're facing just the challenge of uh, you know being able to focus or our kids being able to focus and our little ones and so 
online space is not a solution for everyone. But if it is helpful for you, make sure that you maximize its benefit. Another thing we're allowed to do is enter the outdoors together. We are permitted to exercise, run, climb mountains in small groups. And it appears now for safety reasons, it's probably better to do that in small groups. Um, and, and, and so, you know, let's start using it for ministry, admission. And you can, you can do that. Some of us were cycling the other day. And um, yeah, mate of mine and I, we, we, <laughs> we discussed theology for about 90 minutes up and down Constantia Neck. Another time we were just coming up and saw a sunrise and pulled over and gave thanks to God because that was there. And I know one or two other people doing different things. And uh, yeah, just, just last week, uh, Cindy and I and Amy went uh, to a restaurant for dinner in the evening. And we got to meet with Joan Kotzer, one of our missionaries, who's been back and hasn't had an opportunity to meet with people. And yeah, we could legitimately make use of an opportunity and a context and, and bless the restaurant at the same time. Um, and uh, yeah, people are needing the work and, you know, sure, it's a financial, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a financial pressure at a time some of us can't afford it. But if you can, why not make use of it for mission and for ministry? And then pray together in and for any of the above. As I said, our special concern with young families, for children, young people. And, and, and just praying together. Tuesday, about 20 of us were able to gather. And we did so at the church campus. And one person said to me this week, it was a super special time in God's presence. So good to be together as the people of God the only complaint was that it was too short. And so there is. The, we're going to be meeting on Tuesdays. And, and there can be other times in which people meet as life groups or as prayer meetings and, uh, and, and do that in our venue. And one of the things I think we really need to do is just ask for help. This is just super practical. Most of us have been told not to do so. Or we, yeah, it, it, we feel discouraged and, and, and we feel we don't want to be a burden, but ask for help. I, I was just thinking in terms of, you know, people are allowed to get into full taxis and drive into our suburb and be paid to help you. Why could we not as a church have volunteers who don't even have to get into a full taxi, who can walk around the corner and bring help maybe to working moms? or others for whom this time is difficult. Virtual church is just not going to cut it when you actually need help. And so ask for it. Phone me if you need to. Let us know. Contact a life group leader or your pastor or, um, you know, but let's ask for help. And then... Let's be thinking proactively. It is difficult to ask for help. Think about, pray about people around you, people in community with you, and ask God to show you who you can help. And think of ways in which we can engage and do this together. So guys, we're going to leave it there. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about uh, just catching up on Zoom and doing this thing together. 
So every blessing, let me pray for us. Father, thank you that we're meant to do this together. Thank you for the grace and the gift of spirituality. Thank you that we can turn to you in these times and that in you we find life. But Lord, we also thank you that in you and with you and alongside you and under your yoke, we find community. We ask that you would help us help one another. Help us encourage one another. Help us strengthen one another. Help us love one another in practical ways so that this time does not take for us take from us anything you desire to be in our lives. And so we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. And I'll see you in a moment on Zoom.